Another episode of the Best Damn League show. Dom and I have returned. Now, to be fair, it's not actually Dom's fault that we didn't do a show last week. I was actually uncharacteristically ill. I mean, look, I'm sick all the time, but that was like a rare time where it got to me. You know, I actually had to lie in bed and ponder life and what was going on. I didn't really. I just waited a few days. Don't worry. I was still on Twitter. The one thing I did was, I'm a bit like Dom. I, I, We hate like we breathe. It's just a bodily function. So I still was on Twitter sometimes to like roast certain organizers. I say certain organizers, just got to realize Peter's here, so I can't say the obvious ones that I roast a lot, you know, and make fun <laughs> of, but spoiler. At this point in time, the joke is, without saying the name of that org, have they thought of just actually letting ChatGPT run the org? Like at this point, you know, I don't know if the results could be any worse. I'm just saying. <laughs> and and the merch would probably be better. The tech, I've given it away there, haven't I? I've given away who it is I'm referring to. But don't worry <laughs> about that. We have to get back into it. Because at the beginning of this episode, everyone's going to have to just chill for a second. Because we like hot takes here. But we like hot takes, not least because we're just fragile internet influencers. We like hot takes when they come out of our mouths, not when they go into them. Nobody enjoys hot, irritating smoke coming in when you're trying to enjoy cannabis. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Don't answer anyone. No one in this call answer. Everyone do full poker face. You don't know what I'm referring to. Basically, when I smoke cannabis, though, I want it to just be a smooth, enjoyable experience. I don't want to be... And then have that guy next to you like, it's good. When you cough, it means it's getting deep. It's working. It's good. Like, we're not 14 <laughs> anymore, basically. So as an adult, I can also use my disposable income to improve my cannabis smoking experience. Like, for example, with the freeze pipe available at thefreezepipe.com, 10% off with the code LFN. Because they have their food-safe glycerin chamber, which we take it out, put it into the freezer section for a mere hour. It cools smoke afterwards by over 200 degrees, therefore giving you quite an easy experience on the throat. You just get to enjoy all the upside of cannabis without any of the downsides. As I often say, make your cannabis smoking experience a cannabis smoking experience. Also, <laughs> they do have some new products. They have the pen. So if you don't want any smoke at all, that, that, that works off vape. It's actually vapors. So they have a little vape cartridge thing that you put in there and it just put, you push your button. It's a bit like one of those old cartoons. One button does everything. You just press one button, it opens the thing. One button, oars a ramp. Shout out the old X-Men cartoons in the 90s if you know what I'm talking about. They used very cheap animation techniques, believe it or not. And also, they have the blunt tip, which isn't just like, spoiler, when it comes back, I should probably work that in with some sort of angle on esports bet like a blood tip or something, but I haven't got anything for that now. Basically, if you like to smoke <laughs> blunts or joints, it's a way of cooling that down. You take that little thing, put it in there for only 20 minutes, and it'll cool it down, and you can smoke your handheld, but you also get to have less of the irritating smoke. 10% off with the code Thorin. Not Thorin. Definitely don't use the code Thorin. Thorin is telling you the code LFN for 10%. Ah, that okay. one there. It's, maybe I enjoyed too much of the products myself time to time, you know, but whatever. <laughs> All that matters now is we're here because basically I'll tie this into the show because don't worry, I'm back with props again. You know, we had the uh, chicken on a skateboard. Remember that? We had the chicken on the skateboard. Yep, with legendary. The then we had that like sheep where I tried to tell CL, don't be a sheep. Don't just buy into the, all the narratives, you know. Got a new one. Got another friend back from the gang. See this little guy, this little rabbit here? First of all, he fucking loves a freeze pipe. Look at those eyes, homie. And then secondly, <laughs> like all good gamers and like me, 
Oh, I know he likes weed. Look, he's on grass right now. He's on grass right now. He's touching grass. But here's the thing. He's not just touching grass. He's above it all, though, isn't he? He sort of transcended the negatives of grass. He's getting all the upside and all those positive ions. I don't even know if that's what goes on when you touch grass in the whole ground. I'm going to pretend it is, though. He's got all the positive ions, not a scientist. And basically, look at him. He's just living his best life. He's moisturized. He's just above it all, taking it all in, enjoying it all, but not getting too bothered. You know, in many ways. And basically, here's the one message for you, Peter. Don't rab it on too much this episode. Just keep it, you know, concise, short, good. Because here's the thing. At the beginning, before we start, I do have one question to ask you, Pete, which is this. Obviously, spoiler, there is no heretics at the season finals. We will do a discussion about some of your thoughts on the team and how the year went and all that jazz. But I will just say at the beginning... There is no universe in which, while Peter is the coach now, I can actually ask him, like, so what happened with that CL guy? Why is he not there anymore? Like, that's not going to be a conversation at this point in time. Like, that is just something in the background that we will ignore and go, hey, shut the fuck up there, elephant. We're trying to have a convo here about the team erect. So we're not going to get into that. There's no drama needed on this. Well, there'll be loads of drama, but it'll be out the other teams, not about us. So, Peter, what are your initial, let's just get it out of the way. What do you think about the way the heretics year went overall? Like, to me, I actually noticed the way you've messaged is very different from a lot of other orgs. Like, you've kind of messaged as well, actually, the kind of level you got to is maybe even, like, above expectations for the first year. And you kind of have, like, isn't it like you have a two-year plan or something where making Worlds would be next year's main goal, right? Yeah, I mean, when we came in, it was a two-year plan, but obviously we're ex- incredibly disappointed uh, to not be going further than we are. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot more in-depth discussion about heretics, but... Uh, you know, uh, maybe coming in, our plan was to have a two-year plan, but at the point where you sign Yankos, you're not having a two-year plan anymore, right? Like, right. You know, sure. uh, in the se- I mean, it's it's not it's not even about uh, cost. It's about you know, it's disrespectful to a to a legend of the game to not put a roster around him that can compete. Um, and obviously, Yankos was the last person that we put into our roster. You know, he was literally the last person we signed. Um, and, you know, we made changes appropriately and the changes didn't have a big impact for us to compete. Um, but I felt basically, um, you know, we had a shift of plan in the middle of the year. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure lots of people have heard the rumors. I mean, Bwipo went on a show and basically talked about a lot of the things that were happening in the last offseason. Um, and yeah, uh, basically what I would say is that uh i think we kind of underperformed uh what uh what i would have hoped for uh coming into coming into summer split but uh yeah it's just generally a very disappointing year you can't be happy with a year where you came eighth ninth and fourth like that's that's not a good year right so so yeah that's all i put on that okay right here's the thing dom we already did the full like Soviet gulag interrogation of CL about Nebby. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we don't have to, we don't we have to put that on We don't well. have to do that again. Yeah, we also did that with him. We're not going to do that again, guys. We've, spoiler, you can go look at the classics. They're all there in the can. You know, like, <laughs> go check them out. There's, there's some great work there. Who did better defense? You'll have to decide that yourselves. But they're obviously, you must have some questions about her ex, right? Don, what do you want to know about? I mean, it, it feels weird because all the questions that I've had i feel like i've already asked you know like the, the evie signing the ruby signing you know like getting some of those like veteran players and, and like the response originally was that um last time you're on the show peter the response was that you know you do have rookie players that you were bringing up which at the time it was like jack and and mersa but then like ruby was replaced with, with video and then jack was re- re- was replaced with uh flocken so 
I guess my main question would be, when did the mentality change into like a more get results now from a develop like the young players have some veterans and like develop, you know, Jack into a, a player that could be like really good, for example, next year? That I, I, I think, think that's you're a good thing because oh, oh, no, it's all good. It's just a bit, yeah. I think the camera's a bit lagged, but don't worry, keep going. Your voice is coming through clear. It's all good. So I could talk about that. I think it also fits a little bit into the heavy stuff as well. So I think it, it maybe is a bit useful on that. Um, basically, um, I will say um, about Ruby and Jack, and I don't think either of those guys are bad players. I think Ruby was kind of yeah. doomed from the start. I, I think Ruby's a bad player, but you know. Okay, okay sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Um, but what I will say about Ruby is the best way I can describe Ruby is um, we had a game where Ruby was on Rise and uh, it was against uh, Evie was on Trindamir and we were like 5k gold up at 18 minutes. And he was holding the game perfectly. Everything was going well. He was roaming with his Rise. I didn't agree with every play he did with his Rise, but, you know, he's he's really talkative. And then 8 into the game, it's in, I remember the exact game. It was in spring. It was against uh, Koi. Uh, he dies for no reason in a bush trying to be really, really aggressive. And that's fine. At the point where he dies, he doesn't talk for the rest of the game. He just literally doesn't say a word for the rest of the game. And there's a similar situation in the Mad Lions, uh, in the Mad Lions series, uh, the, the playoff against Mad Lions to get into groups. He's on Tilia. Mm -hmm. He messes up a top. And then he goes from being super talkative, really, really being decisive what he wants. And then he just doesn't talk for the rest of the game. Um, and... Okay. Who's Korean? To me, uh, I, 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 Impact was never like that. Impact talked more when he was. Uh, when yeah, he was Im yeah. Impact is is different. He's he's a different beast. Um, but essentially, so so this to me, this was different to what he was doing on Unicorns of Love. It was so it was a bit of a surprise um, when we saw. Uh, and the, the one thing I would say about Jack is, look, I think Jack is one of the top ten mechanical. And I don't mean that as a you know meme. He's like number ten. No, I think he's one of the ten best. You know, probably even one of the seven or six or seven best uh, right now as a rookie. Uh, mechanical AD carries in Europe, but as and I say this because he's our player, and you know he's about to play a tournament in Iberia Cup, and this is the thing which will determine whether Jack can be a future star of the LEC or not. If he is not vocal at all about his wave. Which means right. that whenever your team plays away from him, he oh he he just gets he, he gets dove and he gets really, really far behind. And this is one of the reasons why when he's on Draven, when he's on Lucian, when he's on Callista, the game looks really easy. He had like a game on Draven, right. I think against Excel, where we won the game in like mm -hmm. twenty minutes, and that was him literally nonstop talking all the time. But uh the situation with Jack uh is that either it's a lack of knowledge or it's a lack of confidence, but this is the thing that is stopping him being like a top tier player. And if you look at, if you look at heretics in the ERLs in playoffs, when they lost to Finnetwork network Koi, uh, the Spanish Koi team, um, the enemy team just target him every single time we go to Herald, they just target him on bot lane. And I know that he's not communicating about his wave to me. It was never a mechanical issue that was holding him back. It was a voice comm issue. And this is why, just couldn't develop in the environment we had. And if you actually at Mercer, you look at Evie, why they better in summer split, it's not because it's not because it's because they they now have a mid laner who's really, really vocal. He Vincent v VTO wants everyone mid whenever they can possibly be. And Flacken never stops talking. So it's much easier to 
to play in that kind of environment. And to be clear, I think Jack will develop that. But I mean, look at Iberia Cup, which will happen in two months from now. And if if things are different, then then you'll see a, a very much improved Jack. But you know, you, you've seen we've seen Jack. His team fighting is insane. He really knows what to do uh, in kind of the mid to late game. But he gets himself really really far down every single game, and it's purely a communication issue. Um, and we weren't able to fix that. And trust me, lots and lots of things were tried. Like we tried we tried playing against easier teams, you know, like lower teams. We scrimmed Czech teams, we scrimmed Italian teams, you know, just to, to try to build build the framework up from scratch. But for whatever reason, uh, it just never went through on stage and he just needs more practice in that area and he'll develop and I'm sure he'll be really, really great uh, later on uh, when he when it finally clicks. So I, I think I think those were the, those were the real reasons behind the two tra- changes. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's all I kind of had to say about that. When you have, again, when you have Jankos in your team, you can't afford to just sit around and wait for these things to click. Right. Like, you know, I, I believe League of Legends players will play way into their 30s. OK. Right. At, at some point in the future. But like, I can't just have Jankos on my team sitting around waiting. And to be clear, Jankos never caused any problems behind the scenes. You know, he's like the perfect teammate. He's the he, he's like a really, really great in-game leader. But at the same point, you can feel you can feel it sometimes. And um, I think that that is. Uh, I think that was our responsibility as an organ, my responsibility as a coach, not to continue a project like that. I think that's what I would say. Okay, interesting answers there. Basically, if people that want to come make it concise, it wasn't just gameplay related things. It was things like who has a voice in the team and how does that affect the style of play, etc. Which, by the way, I do think is always the underrated part. And it's not that like me and Dom are idiots. It's not we aren't in the team, so we can't know these dynamics, etc. So we we are sometimes just judging on who plays a better siver in a certain matchup or why didn't this person who carried the team fight get to stay in the team? Because obviously, I would say actually, I thought Jack Spectre looked like one of, uh, with Yankos was the best player in the team from the outside but I can understand in this case why that might make the game more limited if he's not speaking very much I'll I'll segue this to the obvious other name which is it's already enough that you got Jankos out of nowhere that's like a gift from the gods just being handed a player like that available at the point where Heretics were because if people don't know he could and maybe should have been in some of the much bigger name teams for much more money but then the other one obviously was when mid-season you made the switch to pick up Vetio or Vetio however you want to pronounce it depending on if you're French or not now here's what's funny Peter, everyone now is going to all claim, because I know what people are like, no, no, I always thought he was good, I thought he was just having a bad time in X, no, no, everyone was down on this guy, mate, people were telling me stuff like, like that it meant all the Misfits period was a fraud, and you know, he was like, I don't know, carried by the jungler, or it was just the way he was, set, or it was like, people were actually telling me, you know, ironically, it's just because Yumi was in the game that he did all those carry games, like, so... A lot of other people actually completely backed out and retconned history on VTO. Obviously, you took the gambler, you brought him in, and I would say it paid off pretty well. Like He looked like a much better player immediately. It seems like actually he brought something interesting to the dynamic, right, Peter? Because a lot of people speculated in XL, right? Is it that no one in this team speaks or does no one know what they want or does everyone sit back? Like, what, what would you say it's been like to work with VTO? What, what's your sense of what you have to do to, to make him be this a really good mid laner as opposed to the fairly humdrum one he was in XL? Vito is he's is very very conflict driven. He is he he That's likes it, right? the, okay. he loves it and like I would say Yankos Yankos likes it too and Flacken 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 can go both ways but Flacken kind of likes it too. Like they're really really direct and there are things that I've heard uh, say about each other which uh, I will not repeat here. But basically they're willing to be really really frank and they're willing to be really really direct, right? And that doesn't work on every single team. You know, there's some teams where you need kind of a, uh, 
everyone needs to be best friends, right? And I'm not like obviously Flackard and Yankos are really, really close friends, but on this heretics, nobody needs to be friends, right? Like as long as we come in, we we all work hard, we all know we're going towards the same goals, and we go and you know, like we go and hang out afterwards, right? Like it doesn't matter. Like the fact that they are they were friends is something that they developed over the course of the split, but nobody came in like that, like that. Our first scrims at the start were like our reviews were, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Like going really, really hard. And basically, you know, the Excel roster that they had, you know, Xerxes, Patrick, uh, I don't, well, Odo is quite, like, likes his discussion, but but Patrick and Xerxes are definitely more the conflict-averse type of players. So I can see how, you know, when you have Odo and Vito and you have Patrick and Xerxes, I can see how it would have been difficult on Excel. That's what I would say. But on Heretics, you know, they, these are exactly the type of guys that I love to work with. You know, people like Inspired, people like Impact, you know, don't, I, don't, I, I dislike it when a player automatically assumes that the coach is always right or, you know, they, they have their opinion, they're going to go hard on their opinion and you just have to prove, you have to justify your your point of view. And I think that's that's kind of why Heretics worked because a lot of the, everyone on the team understood this and they were willing to go hard, right? And I think, I think that was a good thing. Okay. I've got one last question, then we'll actually jump into the season finals and all the other teams. The last question goes like this. I'm actually very interested to know what stylistically you were trying to do with Heretics in this last split, the summer split, Peter, because one thing I've noticed about your teams is it's in line with the way you explained the different personalities and the, the balance of like types of player in your team. You didn't just say whether someone's good or bad. I've noticed in your teams, they always have like an identity and a playing style that comes from the personnel. So if people don't know, look, obviously there was a negative later consequence to this, but we'll just, you, we'll stick to the example for now if people ever saw when Danny was in Evil Geniuses the difference between the first split he was in like summer whatever it was 2021 and later when they had the Giorgio line was very different the way he was used in the team and the way he was like set up to be a carry or not a carry or what, whether he was hidden on the map or you I thought it was very interesting the way you like decided which way to go depending on the personnel of the team so with this team people might remember early on when this Herex team was getting these wins you had all these like quite interesting teleport players that the team keep making like what was the vision behind so what were, what were you seeing in the game it seemed like you were the only team making these players mate uh, we played through our most vocal members um i'll be honest like we had a different strategy in the best of ones to the best of threes and best of fives uh but basically flackard was incredibly vocal um and you know th there was the interesting stat that was on the broadcast i think dom i saw it on your twitter actually because i was watching the game uh, i was obviously backstage but where they had the stat where evie was 10th in forward percentage, 10th in goal differential, yep. and third in jungle proximity. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is like the most damning stat line possible. Because if you think about what that means, that means that he is like sure. getting played around permanently. Like he's one of the most played around players. And then he's also just permanently behind as well. But yes. So, so yeah. So actually, uh, I, I can actually kind of explain that. So I was kind of, so I don't have access to the 14 uh, minutes, but at Oracle's Elixir releases the stats at 10 minutes, right? Okay. And there is a mm -hmm. massive gap between um eighth and tenth eighth to tenth it's three tiers okay there's one and two which are finn and uh finn and photon then three seven who are all like almost the same stats and then eight nine and ten are adam broken blade and evie right and it's about how their teams use their top laners um so doing basically in the early game is jankos would go top he would get evie an early game lead uh we would then uh, at 10 minutes, always look to TP towards bot. Uh, and that's where the jungle proximity is coming from, right? He's ganking top early. He's getting him a lead. Uh, we use 
Herald if we choose to play for Herald. So that's more jungle proximity. And basically, Evie's job is not is never to win his lane. Whenever he has an advantage, his his job is to go into the jungle, track the enemy jungle, so that when we see, because you know how jungle camps respawn, right? So if we see enemy jungle uh, at eight minutes on the upside, we know that in two minutes he's going to be back topside again, right? So we're just going to TP bot every single time, and we're already looking to set up the wave and do that. And that's what we did in that was kind of our set play in regular season it worked for a lot of games it also explains why his goal difference is so is so low because he's always looking for those kind of plays um obviously he had a few bad games he, his, his game against excel was really poor like odo really kind of got him in that game um but but every but every game where top was getting ahead we were using that to play into bot it's like Fnatic in 2020 into playoffs we switched our strategy a bit because we knew in order to go to worlds we had to play against bds and we had to play against Fnatic. Uh, and both of those teams are teams that want to play mid into bot. Um, so the way that we were playing there was to neutralize bot lane um, and to then use support room into mid. And, you know, the meta was AD mids, you know, like uh, Kai'Sa, um, Tristana, Jace. Uh, and that's why we were playing all those AP champions bot lane. It was so that we could neutralize bot, play into mid, uh, and then uh, Vincent ahead. Um, we kind of shied away from that in the second Fnatic series, and actually, I, I'm kind of disappointed that we did that, to be honest. Uh, but how scrims were going and how the team felt, uh, we kind of we kind of switched switched up our style to just go more standard, you know, playing Ari into Jason things like this instead of Tristana or Lucian. Um, so it's kind of my regret of the season because if you look at Noah, the champions that Noah is really really good on things like Aphelios, he's really good on Aphelios, he's really good on Zaya. Those are champions where if you're playing Ziggs, if you're playing Seraphine, those champions are really, really good into those types right. of champions, right? So that's what we were trying to do, but we didn't we didn't follow through and um that one of my that's my big regret from this year, if I had to say something. Let's do it. Let's just jump in the other teams, Dom. It's okay. Yeah, I mean I, one thing I would want to say on that though before we move on um is that I feel like it's pretty convenient because Evie was also like not a strong laner in the first two splits. And then TP was changed to be like, a, you know, a 10 minute summoner spell where now you could influence bot as opposed to like a 14 minute post lane phase, post plating um, summoner spell. So I feel like it is it is pretty convenient that it's like, oh, well, our strategy was just for Evie to TP bot. It's like, well, that was impossible in the first like two splits. And there was no knowledge that it would actually like become a viable strategy or that like the game would change in that fundamental way. Firstly, Evie's laning stats weren't bad in winter, right? Like, I mean, he he got Cassante every game. Sure, yeah, but his, he, as soon as people yeah, started banning uh, Cassante, they got yeah. bad. Sure, obviously, uh, uh, sure. But I mean, but in spring, why were his stats bad in spring? It's because basically we wanted to play. We had this issue in our team where if we didn't find a way to cover bot lane, any team would just play through bot, right? Um, and so we played a lot of strategies where Evie was on something like he was on a Scion or he was on a Gragas and he, he can't play those champions very, very well, right? Like he's never been those, that type of a player. And we, you, we use that to kind of bridge. So we would just say top lane, go sit on an Island. And we're just going to go and play into bot. Uh, and that was our strategy. That was our strategy in spring. Uh, now obviously the TP, the TP timers made a huge difference, right? But the big difference would have been. Flacken would have come in. He would have had. He he has really really good comms, and then we could have put Flacken more on weak side and played into into top more. If we if if that had been the meta, if the TP if playing into top had become more important, that's how we would have gone and played. So so I think it's it's a mixture of the rest of the other team. But just remember that we played the first two splits, Yankos being the, and doing ninety percent of our comms.
And uh, it's really hard if you're somebody that doesn't speak English as a first language to be able to come and play strong side like this when, when you're not receiving any information. Okay, and I think I think that's that's what I would say on Evi, um, and I would say that's one of the reasons why it looked really really hard for Evi. Um, and I just want to be really really clear on this. I think that that is something that maybe I should have foreseen more as a rookie with with like Ruby and Jack coming into the team. I should have foreseen it more. But when you look at their comms on Unicorns of Love or Heretics uh, Heretics LVP, like you look at Jack's comms last year, you look at uh, uh, you look at Ruby's comms on on Unicorns of Love when their jungler or their top laner isn't playing for them properly, they're like going hard on their jungler. Like when Blue Rizzer like doesn't play for bot lane properly, uh, last split is last last year. Sorry, Jack is going like. You know, I need you now, right? Like, and that just didn't happen, right? So, so I would say, I would say that, I would say that this is that this is kind of an issue. It's a mistake that we as a coaching staff made. It's a mistake that uh, maybe you know we could have handled the team better. Maybe we could have um, managed how they do with comms better. Maybe we could have had better practice. Maybe we could have had. You know, there's tens of different things that we could have done, but is this is the reality of the situation and you know when evi finally was in a team where he, he other people were coming and he he had comfort within the team he actually played better he played better in the groups good in our series against Fnatic. he wasn't insane he was good and he had a good when we he had simple set plays to go for it was shot calling was micro was you can say micromanaging but was you know we had things that we practiced in scrims he was able to execute them right I mean that that's all I say that's all I say on that situation, right? Uh, like it, we would have done something different if TP's hadn't changed. Thing is, Dom, I don't really care about the Emmy topic, mate. The reason why I say that is one, we've milked all the comedy from it, and so basically, <laughs> it's not like it's not like he himself and his coach staff are pretending he's really good, Dom. This isn't like the bullshit when like people actually unironically in his first split were trying to gaslight us that like Adam was already better than Wonder and like a complete top lane. Like that is egregious. That does deserve like infinite fucking like inquisitions and trials and all that. In this case, like. <laughs> He can't change the lineup. So in my opinion, look, if Dom, if Peter isn't here, I mean, he's here, but I'll say it anyway. I would obviously just say fire Revy and get a different player. I don't really give a fuck about that one. It's pretty open and shut for me. But Peter has to just work with the yeah. way he's got, doesn't he? He's just, just working. And quite frankly, he's working miracles, mate. So, you know, I mean, what, what at this point in time, like, Peter needs to spend all his time working on actual strategy for heretics. He can't put, like, 10 hours a day into, like, creative strategies for explaining why Evie gets to sit on the team. <laughs> There's no time for that, mate. He's got a second all full-time job, so I think we'll just move on now. Let's get into the actual season finals. So, first things first, we only missed one fucking week, and Excel's already out. This is so underwhelming. It's fucking whack. Because if there's one thing you could give Excel the credit for after the summer split when they were coming into the season finals, I kept harping on it myself was, mate, the floor of the team was really impressive. Like, I didn't think they had, like, an exceptional team with great style. They, they played their style well, but the floor of the team, it's just like they never had bad games generally. They were always in the games. It was always going decently. They could always get a lane going. This is this season finals was fucking terrible, mate. The idea they're out already. It's like that's just whack. Like they got absolutely murked by Mad Lions. It was pathetic. And then this Fnatic series, like they just don't want to win, Dom. Like this, it this was absolute garbage. Like, you know, one of the things that really bums me out is I don't like it on the show when we figure out like cynical bands. Like, you know, the one we the famous examples, Misfits, where we're just like, if I was the coach, I would 
have just banned like basically or plus you me plus like if it was like so, so, like whatever Skarda or something like, you, you know like the three champions you would ban or the top lane like you're saying <laughs> it's obvious what you would ban the sad thing is this is another ter- European team that's been near the top that's a bit again being figured out like as soon as you're cynically drafted they were just half as good yeah I mean it- it, it, it is what it is. Also, I think that their own drafts, like the way that they would draft, they didn't cynically draft against opponents the way I thought that they should have in yeah. these series. Like w- when I was watching, the, f- the thing that I thought was so confusing um, was that they kept on going to this like LeBlanc ban that Humanoid wasn't playing. And it was also getting blue side banned by Fnatic. So Fnatic didn't even show that they were like willing to play that pick. And it was just removed the entire series. You combine that with the fact that you had so long to prepare for the season finals and teams just didn't pick up core meta champions. Like across the board, it feels like the, the, the break was almost useless. Like why can every team not play Ivern at this point? It's been good for a while. It's it's something that is. Things have been working on that break as well as the champion, right? Yeah, and you and these teams can't play it. So like they can't play it. They they didn't use their break well at all. And then when you watch the games that that, that they're playing, it's like the way that teams carry out their leads is just so poor across Europe right now. It, it doesn't feel streamlined at all. Like if you get early kills, it should just be like early kill. Okay, we like won the early game. That's like the hardest part of the game. Now we just like take dragon with our prio. Then we rotate. We, we take Herald when we have the ability to like, it should be a very easy game to play out. And I just feel like there's just a lack of this like discipline or just knowledge on how to progress games um, across most of the teams. That's why I've been like, so disappointed and then xl i mean i feel like they've also just lost um like a lot of their their charm i mean peaches was was just playing like objectively worse than he was um and then like abadage with with his champion pool being figured out and teams like not letting him get his ear as much i, I felt like it just became one of those things where xl they, they didn't like obviously after playing so many games teams are going to have a good read on them what is your response to that read going to be? Like, it felt like they should have had, like, plan B, plan C just already lined up, but it, it felt like there was just nothing going for them, like, in, you know, this the season finals. And even the games they won, I didn't even felt like, I didn't even feel like they should have won those games. I felt like the only games they won are games they stole. Go on, Peter, what do you think of XL? They tested in, in Summer Split. Like, let's have a look at the games they played against, okay? So Mad Lions finished the season 0-5, right? They'd already mm-hmm. qualified for season finals. Um, so they beat them. They then played again the day after it was announced that SK had already made season finals. Then in the best of fives, they played against Fnatic, who clearly, like, I can say this from Heretic's perspective, Heretic's, we, we just focus on Fnatic for that week, right? Because that's what we needed to do. We needed to come third to make season finals. Same sort of thing. I'm, I would guess what Fnatic showed against us, that we were their main preparation, right? So those are the teams that they played against, and they had that one series against G2, which was pretty close, like the 3-2 series, right? But XL have gone 2-9 over their last three series. And, you know, it makes me question. It, they were never forced to out of their comfort zone when a team was prepping specifically for them, right? With the focus that we must beat this team in order to, to go forward. And I think I think you mentioned the Azir thing. I think that's right. I think that this was one of those post-seasons where Odo, like, when Odo was able to get the insane engages on Nar, when he was able to find those moments, they were able to do things, right? But when I look at Pat in these playoffs, the way that he's contesting midwave, he just gives the midwave. Like, he has numbers advantage mid, and watching, 
um, Trimby and Noah just take the mid wave off him every single time. And this needs to limit dying in the jungle. It needs the Peach lead dying in the jungle. Game five, they're so far ahead uh, of the game. What to do is step up on the mid wave, stop uh, Noah being able to push him out and go and collapse into side lane bush. And Fnatic can't can't get those Baron setups. And he they just backed off. And Abadagi was a little bit to blame for this, but it was mainly Patrick. And it was really, really disappointing in the Fnatic series because I think that, you know, if Patrick, if you had Patrick from best of ones in summer, they would have beaten Fnatic in that series. You know, Oscar had his hand injury, right? So so he was playing through his, his injury and it kind of showed. Um, but yeah, the Mad series, I think Mad Lions, uh, in fairness, Tom, Mad played reasonably well when they had a lead. You know, they had Camille. They weren't forcing fights when, when you know, they, they, they played a LeBlanc-Camille game in the third Third, third game, you know, they're kind of dancing on the limit with with Camille. They're not, they're not for, you know, they're hitting towers with LeBlanc. You know, playing, baiting on the map. I thought they played that game really, really well. Um, whereas you look at kind of Fnatic, Fnatic had situations where they had a Tristana pushing the side lane, and then they're just fighting four v five, and then just can't even doesn't even position to TP. So I, th I think Mad Lions played reasonably well uh, in the XL series, but I think yeah, for for me, XL. Yeah, it might be like the only team that played well, because even like G2's wins, like I, I wasn't very impressed with G2's wins, like considering the level that I'm holding them to, like the standard that I have for them is that they need to shit on Europe. Like they need to just absolutely destroy Europe. So they go interna international and they actually look like they're, you know, above the, the rest of the Western teams. And, and when I was watching the, the G2 series, it once again just felt like they shouldn't win at least that game four, like the game four, they ended up closing it out. Like that just felt like a, a lost game, you know, the, the, the Trundle game um, as well. So I, I, that's like, I guess where my overall sentiment comes from is like maybe, okay, maybe one team out of this, the six we've seen has looked good. I just, it's not, it's, it's not enough for me right now. What is weird? In, by the way, Peter, in in scrims, was XL actually like the team that they seemed like in summer? Did they were they a much improved squad? Were they actually like beating people? Okay, so uh, G two were scrim team number one by far for the entire season, but XL was scrim team number two. Even when they were ten, oh, right. they were scrim okay. team number two. Um, but I think the gap between second and third was much larger in in summer than it was in the previous splits. And I will tell you, Patrick in scrims is the best lady carry in the league by like a mile. Like you okay. know. Um, so 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 yeah so so that's kind of what i would say about excel um yeah i i i, I don't really understand what happened uh it just kind of felt that fanatic you know <laughs> about trimby and razork you know they're not afraid to look stupid right like they're, they're, they're willing to go in they're willing to force the plays and you know they were willing to take the risks right whereas it felt that sometimes on excel they were waiting for odor something all the time and that, that's that's what it looked like for me for example and you can't win you can't go to worlds right if you're just going to sit there and let the other team take everything in front of you so my one sort of closing note on XL goes like this, because then we'll get into like all the other teams that are more interested to talk about. It goes like this. I th I think in a perverse counterintuitive way, the way they failed this season finals is actually the best thing that could happen to this specific lineup. Because <laughs> after they had that like second place where they thought like, well, you almost beat G2 in the upper finals. That's where you can get so baited into thinking like, we should just keep this lineup. Like it's got real potential. It could develop like 
I, I think you already saw the, be- the the heights of what this lineup was capable of. And even then it was fairly capped. It was never in the actual official games I saw ever looking world-class. It just looked like when the rest of the LEC was bad, like I said, the floor was good and it was just in, they had a decent draft set up, some half-decent macro and they could win some games. Like, I think it would have been a nightmare to bring back most of this lineup. I hope they actually really just, for real, I would be insanely cynical. I would just pick like two players and just restart for next year. I would just redo it all over again. Pick whoever the ones you like. If, if you like Abadaga, pick him. If you want to keep Ordo, I assume he's on a big cut, take him. But you've got to rebuild the rest of the squad. Like, like the two, like, I, I noticed as everyone's talking there, two of the players that just, as the team went down, they just went down the drain with the fucking jungle and support. You're not going to, why, why would I even Dom want a team with Peach and Limit as the jungle and support to go to Worlds? Like, I, I, mean, Peach is London. I don't want everyone to get destroyed. Like, it's just look whack. It just looked bad at the end, mate. Look bad. I mean, I think that Limit is more excusable. I think that the pairing of Limit with Patrick makes sense because it felt like Patrick just needs somebody who's going to, like, make plays for him. Like, when you saw him play with Targamas and they both, like, didn't really know what they wanted to do in lane, it just looked so, like, I don't know, just, like, they looked so apprehensive playing together. It was really tough to to watch, whereas... You know, sometimes you need, if you have like a player who's more stable, like for example, the the upset hilly pairing, I feel like this is kind of just a, a weak version, a poor man's version of the upset hilly pairing from Fnatic, where you have like the, the, the inter paired with like the guy that that's actually going to be consistent and like make use of the kill. So I think the limit angle, I could see him coming back. I don't see what Peach brings. And I think that Peach got bailed out so hard by the meta switch. When you saw how he looked in the first couple weeks when it was like Vi Wukong meta, he looked terrible like it looked like he couldn't actually play the game and then when you go to like Maokai Sejuani I mean this is maybe one of the easiest jungle metas we've ever had in competitive to be the worst jungler and and still win games on like if you're playing Maokai Sejuani Rel and you don't actually have to care you know Ivern you don't really actually have to care about you know your own pathing it's more just like showing up to the right places at the right time making the right set plays there's not that like that jungle intuition that comes into play where you're you're you know going to war with the enemy jungler and if you lose like a camp here a camp there it could be like catastrophic for for example before it was your divine thunderer timing that was what the whole game was 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 based on essentially for junglers was like vi wukong who's gonna get their divine thunder if you don't have you know yours at the third fight and or the this the second drake and he has his you pretty much just have to give everything so um i just think peach is just not it like uh, even when he was performing i just don't have faith that he will be consistent and be meta resilient and be able to you know be solid for a whole season i feel like he'll always end up having you know periods of time where he's just one of the worst junglers in the league where do you come down on this one peter because i noticed normally as a coach you always have like a different angle on junglers so what do you think of the peach angle like what did preach bring to their team or did he have any was he a glaring flaw at times what do you think i'm biggest issue the entire year is they were too afraid to make plays and one thing you could say about peaches he's never afraid i mean he doesn't execute the plays well he doesn't go for smart plays um but you know he he does go for plays i will say that there are a lot of very strong junglers in the erls right now like there's i mean actually i could talk about junglers right because it's not like i i don't care about junglers right like uh um but like uh you know like linkers people like um uh maybe maybe isma there's there's a lot of like very 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 talented jugglers and there's also the best free agent on the market this offseason which can be inspired right sure. uh, um and you know inspired goes 
you know, if Inspired was on Excel, or maybe let's say Bo was on Excel because Inspired's gone to Vitality or something, then then you know, then that could be a big benefit. Um, like they need decisiveness on their team, though, right? And this I mean, is there's something... even technically self-made out there in the wild somewhere. And here's the thing about self-made: you know, it's guaranteed he will deliver because otherwise the pizza's free if he doesn't get there within the first thirty <laughs> minutes. Whatever, you get the job. I knew it was gonna. It's okay. all good. It's all good. Listen, I'll always give mad props to self-made. He's actually still got his hair and he's Polish and like in his mid twenties. So fair play. That's Jesus. already a W. So you know, you got to take W's where you can. Anyway. Going back, right? Come on, Diego still has some hair left. Why you got to do him like that? It's like the Daywalker, mate. He's got all their strengths and none of their weaknesses. You know, like, exactly. He's also a cool guy who's not argumentative. So, you know, I, I don't even know. If he, I need some sort of like a Maury Povich. Is he actually Polish? You know, let, let me just check. Like, let's get the DNA. Let's figure it out. Is he, is he, is he, is he Hungarian or something? What's going on here? You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, bringing it all back. You are right. There's a lot of jungles out there. So basically, Peter, like if you were XL, obviously you don't necessarily want to give rivals advice, but as an observer, you think they should gamble maybe on a different jungle? Uh, if I were coaching XL, I would look at some of the other options. Not okay. saying outside them, I'd look at them. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I do think, by the way, not least, I mean, it's not just because of, like, the EG thing, but, like, people have just written off inspired in a really weird way. Like, this guy's a phenomenal player. Like, he might not have, at times, I don't know, stylistically fit with someone in Rogue or something, but I would, to me, the inspired one's just like that whole Vithio one. It's like, if someone doesn't give this guy a chance, you're just blind, mate. Like, there's clearly something there where if, you, if you're on the right team and you pick him up, he will be one of the best. Just flat out, come on. I mean, you don't even have to be on the right team, right? Like, Koi said all those things about him, about how he was, like, a dreadful fit and everything. And what's their worst position with Inspired? Like, third in the league? Yes. You know? And that's the worst-case scenario, right? If we yes. know what Rogue and Koi were telling us, which, you know, I, this guy's obviously insane. He's going he's gonna to come back to Europe, and he's, he's going to get in the back next season. Yes. So I'm happy for him. Yes. All right, let's just go on to the team that beat them then, Tom. I want to get your take on where you're at on this Fnatic squad. Because I have to say... Part of it's because they did burn us so badly in the like playoffs, and they just they just weren't ever the team they were supposed to be. Like they on paper they were supposed to be in that final playing against G two. They didn't even make it there. At the same time, like I am glad this team made it to World Storm. At least this team has a fucking ceiling. At least they can have players that can pop off and actually show me something. They still have mad problems. Like I think this is another team mate where. I hope the Koreans aren't studying these games because it's so obvious in the draft what they can and cannot play on Fnatic. So if they can get through that fucking nightmare of the draft, if they get the right champions, this team at least can do something at Worlds, right? I mean, if we define do something, like, I'm, I am very hopeless. They can have potential in BO1s. Yeah, upside of BO1. Like, I guess, I guess the, the line for me is like, can you make it out of the Swiss stage? Right, like if that's okay. the line, right. then it's just like G two is the only hope I have. But if we're going for like upset some BO ones, like maybe like place higher than like a, a LPL team that's choking or like an LCK team that, that's not playing well. I mean, I think that they have the players to do it. The thing that's concerning about Fnatic is that they always so they always have these tragedies in their games. No matter what the game state is, they're going to have like one massive tragedy. Like before it was late game. Now, sometimes it's like around Herald. They'll just have like one massive mistake where if you're playing versus a better team, they're just going to take control of the game and they're not going to make that massive mistake into you um, later. So just throughout the split, I mean, we had times where, you know, you have humanoid roaming top and then you have 
at the same time as, as they're making a top play, you have Razor and Trimby go for some type of play and it obviously fails because, you know, they're a support in jungle trying to kill like a mid laner and, and people are, are, are missing on the map. In this series specifically, I hated the way that they played around the fact that Noah was so ahead. Like if you get two kills on your Jinx at five minutes, he has to be involved in all the plays you're making. Like the fact that Jinx is that far ahead means that he can push the wave whenever, which means that Drake should be free and then Harold should be like free. You, you don't need to full swap for it. You could just like half roam up the river, just do what LPL teams do. You start bringing your AD carry and support. Enemy team has to call like the Harold situation off. You walk back bot, catch the wave, but he wasn't involved. And then I thought that Noah played poorly mechanically in, in, in some of the games. Like he didn't feel like that unkillable God AD carry that he, he, he was in like the regular season, for example. Um, so I guess those those were my biggest issues with, with watching Fnatic play. But yeah, it's really tough to see like some of the mistakes they make. I mean, they just make some really, really weird mistakes. The, so the game that, 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 that I'm talking about specifically, the, the game three, where they're 4-0 up, Trimby's just like randomly autoing the Drake to try to keep it aggroed. Enemy team starts Drake, they get off of it. Then Trimby just starts autoing the Drake to keep it aggroed and everyone just jumps the wall and kills him and suddenly he's just dead. And then, you know, you lose pressure in the game for that. Then you have the Herald situation where, you know, Poppy ults them out and their AD carry is not involved, so they lose Herald. So somehow we went from like a 2K gold lead pre-eight minutes, which is an absurdly big lead, to losing kills and then also losing like the most the, the most major objective that you have in the early game, which is the Herald. So th this is like my whole issue with this team is I just don't, I don't feel like the... Um, I don't feel like they're consistently getting better week after week. It feels like they're just like hit or miss. And, and if anything, it feels like they've kind of like um, regressed a little bit from where they were in maybe their first games of uh, summer split. What I would say is that when you like listen to Fnatic's voice comms, uh, they it's Trimby looking 80% of the time and like Razork and Humanoid 10% of the time, right? Uh, maybe like 70, 20, 10, right? Well, um, and there, you know, obviously we studied, we studied voice comms closely before games and you have team fights where Noah is like trying to say something. He's like, uh, you know, and nobody listens to him, right? Like his right. voice is like, hello, look, I want to do this. Or, or like my Q, Q3, and then like everyone is shouting over him and nobody listens to him. Um, and, you know, uh, which I think uh, I think Fnatic signing Trimby this season is like one of the biggest steals that I've ever seen in LEC history. Like it's 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 not quite caps the G2 level, but it's almost that. It's almost that level uh, because yeah. it's so clear what he's brought to the team, right? Like, and uh, you know, all it will take is Trimby's a smart guy, right? So all it will take is for him to just adapt a little bit and you know pay more attention to his, he carries conditions as well as his own, and I think that they will be fine. They. One thing I will say in that Fnatic do throw a lot of games in the mid game, but fast at bouncing back. So, you know, they'll find plays and, you know, against top Korean teams where you make one mistake and or top Chinese teams where you make one mistake and the game is over. Fine. You know, maybe, maybe there's no chance that they can beat JDG, but I could see them. I could see them taking games off. Or I don't think they'll win a best of five, but I could see them taking individual games. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, it's it's not impossible. They are very very aggressive. They're very decisive. I think Razork has a has a really impressive example. And sure, he does boneheaded stuff sometimes, but his he is probably the strongest jungler in the first three levels in the LEC. Um, so 
I, I mean, that way. And I think that, you know, it's worlds. Humanoid we find at worlds. He's always find at worlds. So. Yeah. I mean, what I always say about Razork is he's the type of guy he makes like five good plays and then he'll make one play that's so egregiously bad that it will undo all five good plays that he's made. So like, let's say every single time that he makes a good play, it's like a 400 gold net gain like oh, after it's all said and done he'll then make a play that'll be like 2000 negative and the game will be just dead even <laughs> at a point where it's like dude you had the whole game one like you didn't need to do anything i mean that's the best description of Razzle that i that i've probably had uh yep <laughs> I mean, that's that's Razzle. but I, I will say the fact that he played to Leah jungle and you know he couldn't play ivan uh on 30 whatever patch it was in summer he he only played one game he didn't it was okay it was against us but he didn't look insane on it or anything but his iphone got a lot better uh coming into the sex sale series so you know they're a team that use their time well they're very they're they're very um what's the word i'm looking for they're very uh decisive but you know i could see them losing games against golden guardians uh who it's wonder coming in right yes um has he yep. played much look here uh yeah he's been playing Okay, so so then then they're probably going to be BDS. But like, uh, you know, if they lose to BDS, I think that there's no world where like BDS can lose to Golden Guardians. But you know, there's a like five percent chance that Fnatic can lose to Golden Guardians, right? Uh, but yeah, there's you know, I see, I see people saying that our oh, Golden Guardians have like the freest entry into worlds. You know, these people don't watch the LCS, right? so <laughs> at least we're better than the LCS, right? That's what I would say. Okay. We'll get to that later. It's all good. Okay. The one thing I'll say is this. You're both doing that thing where it's like, all I'm going to say is this is called arm up thinking. That's why I get really worried and like a little bit frightened when people do this, where they go, it's okay because he doesn't like kick in until later. Like I'm not players in the playoff and then I just saw him in a bunch of playoffs where he's a bomb as well. So you're all going, it's okay because when Humanoid gets to Worlds, we all know what that's like. Mate, it better be better than this. I'll tell you that right now. Like I don't think the LEC is very good right now and this guy was not carrying any of these series, mate. He, and here's the other problem, boys. I don't just want, I'm not like some fucking pleb who just watches LEC. I watch all the best Korean and Chinese mid laners play exactly the champion pool that Humanoid is playing right now, and they look levels above him. I'm talking levels. If they get the kind of Jace matchups he has, they would have like 12 kills and shit on the game. He's just all right on these champions. There's Tristana pulling out the Annie. Like, I don't know that any of these champions is on the world-class level. So my concern is there better be a world spot coming. Otherwise, forget all that shit I said about the upset. That's not going to be I mean, there. There better be Oriana and Victor buffs coming. Not just a world's buff. Like, that, that's what he needs really badly right now. I just feel like well, these champions are not champion really... Pool. I mean, it's just not champions that he's historically been super good at. Like, I felt like when Humanoid was the best player, he was just really insane on all these control mages. Like, that's what he would... He would take matchups that... Like, I remember, like, versus Larson, for example, in the first couple games that he played, um, the Victor Oriana matchup, he would just win both sides of the matchup. And, you know, that was just a huge point of strength for that Mad Lions team. I just don't think that he's like he just doesn't seem like he would be a Jace player. If you think about how Jace actually like interacts as a champion, it feels like he's better at like controlling zones and like hitting and like finding times to hit multiple people with abilities than he is about like playing a you know a poke champion, for example. This is like the worst meta for him possible, right? Because it's all just on uh, these kind of things, right? Yep. Um, so, so you know, maybe it'll be a better meta at once. I mean, to to be clear, I'm not like putting my life savings in the fanatic okay. basket or anything, right? But uh, but I can see them. You know, they're they're an aggressive team, and I can see them getting surprises, right? Like BDS. 
I I think BDS are a very well coached team, but they would really really struggle to to shock some of the uh, top Asian teams. But I could see Fnatic. I could see Fnatic taking best of ones. You know, so. Right. What about then? Let's move into some of the other ones. So. I actually think we don't have to go by, like, order. Let's do the G2 topic, Dom, like you said. Mate, bearing in mind G2 is probably still just going to fucking cakewalk this entire season finals, win those finals, get the fucking number one seed and go to Worlds. There better be some fucking hyperbolic time chamber shit going to happen in that boot camp, mate, because I'm with you. This has been whack. Like, I don't even think the way they won the last split was super impressive. Like, it just looked like the other teams were shit. This first matchup against BDS was disgraceful, mate. Like, I, at this point, I almost feel like they just, do they just never lose scrims or something. They look like they think they can't lose games at this point. Like, this isn't fucking world-class League of Legends. I'm with you, Dom. I wanted it to be that there's, even if I think LEC is not a good reason, they're so far above it. It's like, ah, who cares? They're the true hope, you know. They were down in, our, they were mired in the mock of LEC in these games, mate. This was messy as fuck. Yeah, it was, it was messy as fuck. Also, like, the, the thing about G2 was when you watch them, they always draft in, like, ways that you believe to be suboptimal if you go off just what meta strength is around the world like if you have the same idea that korean and chinese teams have about like the strength of you know like alistar for example and and you know tristana jace Maokai, like all these types of picks if you have that type of read then you think they're drafting suboptimally and in like game one for example they picked the cled into the renekton like i know that it's a bad matchup for for cled but BB's just winning it. So great. Like he, he's, he's winning the, the, the Kled matchup. Perfect. But then game two, they try to run the Eve in another spot where I'm like, wow, isn't this just a horrible Eve game? And it looks dreadful. It looks like it just solo loses the game that it's just such a useless champion that they, they aren't able to win. Um, and then it's like, wait, so do like, are they geniuses? And they have like a meta read that no one else has, or are they completely fucking lost in the meta? And then like the way that the games kind of broke out in that four game series is games one and three, they look like geniuses games two and four. They look, you know, like they, like they don't know what they're doing. And you're like, all right, I mean, I guess they stole one of the games that they should have lost and they went three, one. I feel good about it. Like who feels good about watching those games? Broken. Say that again. You, we lost the first words. What do you say? What's I'm broken? Saying, I'm saying is Cogmore Brom blind broken? You know, like they were picking, yeah. you know, they yeah. just pick whatever you want, you know, just yeah. pick. Um, I'm the prettiest one here. I would just, I would transition the question like this. That's the problem. We can't tell, are they super geniuses? Because since everyone knows that story, as remains done a good job of marketing, that every split, they just like win all the scrims and everyone cancels all the scrims on them, right? If people want to be generous, Peter, then what they do in the last split, for example, is like you're saying, they just say, right, they're obviously so far ahead in scrims that they're not showing anything. They're just saying, right, well, basically, until you can beat this Cogmore Brom, we're just going to pick it whenever we want and just fuck it. It's only a group it's only a gr group stage game anyway so who cares right but the more you see of some of the playoff games and stuff sometimes it seems like actually they just really do think that was the best like how much yeah. this is like do they have like some crazy bag from scrims and they they're still letting I, it I just, out or do you think this is their meta read i mean i just think that they're just going to be picking this cog brahm blind and then when they go internationally blg or some of these like just asian teams are just going to be like oh you blind you blinded brahm we're just going to pick Lulu plus Aphilios or some shit, and they're just gonna run over the whole fucking lane. Like it'll be impossible for the cog to lane. It hasn't happened in LEC, so maybe maybe the the Brahm is actually that OP, and and you can kind of lane with it. But I mean, Brahm is a champion that historically has a lot of weakness. Like you you can't really fight back into Enchanters with this pick. Um, and 
you know, for some reason, no one outside of like, I guess the, the end of LCK was willing to actually play the enchanters. So it's very weird to me watching them play. Like I can't imagine that these picks are actually as good as they make them seem knowing what like other teams are doing and, and how they approach these types of like blind angles. Nobody in Europe like plays plays Bard that well. Like you could put Bard into Kongmo Brum is pretty insane. But like there's also, you know, I mean, they were even picking into Rakan. Me, he's on their team. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> forget that one. He's here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they were even picking into stuff like Rakan. Normally you can't pick Rakan into Brum, but they found a way to make it work. I mean, what I would say though is with G2, there is a chance that they make other teams overthink, right? And you know, if you're going to be worse than a Chinese team, it's worse than a Chinese team playing stuff that the Chinese team probably hasn't played against. Then try to play meta into them and like and just get stopped, right? You're not going to win the game playing meta into JDG, right? Even if you're T1, right? Um, so 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 I think there's benefits to this. I think that playing with their food, it felt a bit like they were playing with their food in, in the BDS series. Uh, I'll be honest, like... Um, Maybe game two, but then, like, by game four, I was like, wait, like, this game is a game you should once again lose, and then you're going to game five versus BDS. So, like, I can understand that for one game if they, like, stomped games one, three, and four. But by game four, I was like, oh, I mean, I guess they won, but I just wanted more. I don't know. I just expected more. I, I mean, I will say they are insane in scrims, uh, what, but... It's worth saying that G2 has the only best of series, like the only decisive best of series, because I think they lost like, they were in lower bracket, right? But the only decisive best of series they lost all year was against Mad Lions, right? In spring. They've won literally every other series where when it mattered. So uh, um, let's see how, I mean, obviously this team is going to is going to win the league unless Illyria goes absolutely crazy like he did in that series. And I think it was Illyria and Chasey, right? Going really, really insane in the spring. Um, yeah. but... I mean, I could see Mad Lions beating G2 if G2 plays in the same form. I thought Mad Lions' form looked improved. I, I mean, Kazi looked I... fucking banging, mate. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing about Kazi, right? Like, his team fighting's always been insane. It's just about, um, you know, laning, getting into that stage. But because sometimes he takes too many risks that he shouldn't take. But yeah, um, it's it, it's possible. But uh I'll see when G2 lose, right? When they when they get destroyed, uh, maybe maybe they'll push it too far. But I think this double elimination bracket really benefits them a lot because it means that they can they can pull out their cheese, they can look like geniuses, and then when they go into lower bracket, they can like sort of try hard, right? By the way, we'll one thing I do appreciate on Twitter is that even though obviously in the modern day you can get the PDF of all the votes for All Pro and you can find out who voted for who and who put who like one, two, three, you know, you can, you can find out all the info you want, the ballots to get released publicly, even though to be fair, a lot of fans don't go and view them, right? Peter also always puts his on Twitter if people don't know. And oftentimes if people ask him and he will even do sort of like mini AMA and reply like why he has this person over this person or whatever. So I want to get your take on this actually, Peter, because one thing I, me and Monty have been been in agreement on independently, but it turns out when we compared notes, we're just on the same page on this one, is when I look at G2 this year, and obviously each of the splits and the metas were different, but they've kept the same five-man lineup and they have been the best team overall the whole year. To me, I would, if I had to give MVP of this year, the, it's easy. I give it straight to Mickey X, mate. I think he has been so outrageously good. Do you have a different perspective? Is there a different player you would highlight on G2 as the best player? Like Mickey is Mickey's the best player in the league by like a significant margin. Um, 
And, you know, I think I think some of the hate that Caps gets is completely overblown. I've got to be honest, it's 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 it, like he's he's not playing like 2019 peak Caps, but he's not bad. You know, he's still like one of the I, I had people replying to that saying he doesn't even deserve top four or pro, which is insane. Oh, really? Holy moly. OK. <laughs> um, but like, you know, there for me, for me, it's, it's just Mickey. I mean, I'm just trying to think who else you could maybe give it. Yike was good in. Was good in summer. Was really, really good in summer. BB is has is kind of playing more weak side on that team. So I mean, and Caps is Caps has huge variation. So I mean, I think Mickey is just the best. And the the thing is, I think that's what gives them a chance, right? Like to, yes. to me, I don't really care about the rest of the team, right? I think it's support is probably the most powerful role in the game right now, um, since they changed the TP timers, um, and you know that they have a really good support right? so that will give them a really good chance of what so. yes i'll even say as much as we do this holistic thing where we're like oh look these top western teams have a chance spoiler i'll make it really cynical for you guys it was always just mickey x and hillisang teams what are we talking about here like even at the last worlds what maybe the chance was trimby because he has his own like unique champion pool if you actually want to beat these Asian teams, I've always said the position they're the most far ahead at is jungle and support, in my opinion. Like those positions, because the other ones, like even like a 10 out of 10 mid laner, you could you know how they roughly will play. An 8 out of 10 mid laner can look similar and do a similar function. The support players in Asia are cracked out if you if you don't watch the LPL itself. Like they are unbelievably good what they can do. And the thing for me that makes Mickey X OP on this team is, mate, he's the only support in the West where he doesn't have that bullshit excuse of like, Oh, he's just waiting for his meta. Next patch will be his meta. All the patches are Mickey X's patches. The patch where you play Nami, that's his patch. The patch where you play Braun blind, that's his patch. The patch where you play his Thresh and all the healers and fucking Pike. Oh, that's all waiting the whole time. Leo, that's it. There's no patch right now that Mickey X would be bad on, as far as I can tell. This guy's just fucking OP at his position. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean. I, I, his his Heimer was like the best in the league when that was meta. It came out of nowhere. He even played the Javan game at one point, if you remember. He was ridiculous. Yeah, I, and, and if it's I, not I, his patch, he'll make it his patch. He'll just start blinding Braum with Emacs, and then that'll be his patch. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like, to me, I, I actually think he's not the best Melio in the league. I think his Melio and Yumi aren't that good, but you're never picking Melio and Yumi and blind into Mickey. He's just going to murder you. <laughs> like, so... So, yeah. So, so to me, that, that puts a lot of pressure on other teams to give counterpick to... Like he 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 plays well with other pick as well, so so yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I I mean I, I don't necessarily think the best supports like I in the world is not at worlds. I don't think like Mako is in a worlds this year. So so you know we'll we'll see. Uh, but but yeah, uh, until G two until G two lose doing this in Europe, uh, you know I find it very hard to to judge again. You know like push push your limits, see what you see what you could do, uh, and. You know, maybe you'll end up with egg on your face if you lose to Mad Lions in in the grand finals. But uh, but you know, and you can, through testing your limits and draft, it doesn't just have to be inside the game. And obviously, the Evelyn pick was complete garbage. It was like one of the worst Evelyn angles I've ever seen in my life, right? But but you know, <laughs> find a way to get a good challenge. I mean, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the problem that I have with 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 these angles is like some like a lot of times I'm fine with you going outside of what the meta is if you're playing something that makes sense in the context of the game. But sometimes they'll, like this Evelyn, you go into the game and we're like everyone in, in the fucking sack. We're just talking about it. We're, we're like, this is just a horrible game. Like, I would hate to play Evelyn here. Like all the jungles are like, oh, my God, this is like a nightmare because you, you can't assassinate anyone. <laughs> it's the whole point of the fucking champion. Uh, so 
when they pick it, it's very hard to be like, oh, well, you know, I can see what they were going for. When when they pick something that doesn't make sense, I can't see what they're going for. Unless they just win things that, that you don't think are winnable. Like, I don't know when Kled is supposed to beat Renekton. Like, I don't see how that's possible. Like, if I think about the Renektons that I know, if you think about 369 Renekton, Bin Renekton, these motherfuckers are Renekton, I can't imagine them losing to Kled. Like, if they lost a Kled top in lane, like, they're getting fucking benched or some shit. Like, that is just not possible. But then it just worked out, I guess, this time. So... I mean, they're just like rewriting the game, I guess. Let's do the the fun one, which in my opinion is the BDS discussion. Because the problem is, if you want to make fun, there's always going to be obvious fucking gaping holes in BDS where you can just meme on them and the Adam angle and all the rest of it. But the one thing I'll say is this. As much as they did waste that window that they had in spring, where they really, I mean, they could have been the champions, they could have been at MSI, they could have had all these things and they missed, they messed it up, right? I never really thought they were actually that truly good a team. I, like there was, re, there was circumstantial reasons why they were on top. But at the same time, I don't think they've ever actually been bad. Like, even when the team had its struggles this summer, they were still all right. They were still decent enough. The core of the team was there. And they're certainly not, like, peaked yet. But bear in mind, this is going to be a Worlds team. Like, it's not as bad as I thought. But the problem is, I don't really know what the bright spot is. Like, can you sell me on BDS, Peter? Is there a reason why I should have any faith in this team? Like, the problem is, when I look at the squad, mate, I just, even man for man, just look and it's like... I'm so scared of all these Asian top laners against Adam. I think they're going to murk him completely. Chio's already hooked sort of a bit sus against bloody European junglers. I go and I look at fucking Nook and it's like, some days he's playing the Jace. It's like, wow, he actually has a champion. Then he just shows me another champion. It's like, he's actually not that good on the meta champions. Like, what's the angle on BDS? Have you, uh, do you see a bright spot for them? He is a rookie, like in, in fairness to Shio. Okay. I mean, he's a, he's a rookie on a bad team. You know, I, I'm a big, I'm a big Shio defender. Uh, I, I He's had he's had a really hard like I mean it's it's not easy to be a jungler on on BDS. So the thing I will say about BDS is they will never lose to a team that's worse than them. Okay. Of all the teams in the league, be Madlands, I would say that BDS are the best prepped. Or like, did did you see the ward that they placed against SK, which wasn't cleared for? Right. Uh, like, yeah. or, or they will have like if there is a certain weakness in your game that you always default to, they will always prepared for it this is why i think like it's impossible for golden guardians to beat bds like bds like it's like golden guardians are fundamentally flawed in a certain about how they play their how they play vision in the mid game especially on licorice side and bds are never ever going to let golden guardians get away with it right so so and okay. i think this this is the thing that i give credit to bds coach i don't know if it's coaching staff i don't know if it's analysts or whatever but they always understand how to beat that you beat BDS is you have to like literally pull out something that they're not expecting or you right. bludgeon them with like so they're good at the win conditions basically right if you're a team that is worse than BDS it is very very hard to beat BDS right uh, like so so I you know I think obviously we can't use JD as the barometer for everybody right like you know even mm. when the Korean teams go play against JDG they're going to get bludgeoned right like yes. so so it's so so what are we looking at for BDS you know if they're playing against the the top NA teams they're playing against the wildcard teams I think that they're going to beat all of those teams they're not going to embarrass themselves they're going to look solid you know and if they get a win against I think it will be better for BDS is if they lose to Fnatic because then they get more time to warm up and you know <laughs> So <laughs> they, can, they can beat an NA team. 
I know it's such a bad aglara. It's mad, it's that right. version of trash talk, basically, where it, to you it just sounds like a weird, quirky, counterintuitive point, but that's his version of trash talk. It's actually better if they lose, so then they just beat trash NA and then they're in worlds. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but like, you get warm up, right? Like being in the planes. Actually, does yeah. number three seed start at the, in planes as well? They do, right? Yes, I think so. Yep. Um. Yeah, so that's what I would say on BDS. I think that they've done. Or actually, incredible. Surely, they? three seed starts and playoffs plans. It must do. Surely. I thought they, they, they. I thought they changed it. Hold oh, on, really? Okay. Yeah. Rounds that some teams start in. Yeah, let me see. Uh, playing. Yeah, no, they they auto qualify. The oh, really? the plan okay. is um, or at least that's what it says here, right? The plan is. It's a smaller plan. It's eight teams. It's the one team from the world's qualifier, the NA or EU, and then it's LLA, Brazil, Japan, um, Asia Pacific, like PCS, uh, both PCS, I guess, and then Vietnam, uh, two Vietnam teams, two Vietnamese teams. Yeah, I, I think if BDS are in that group, it would it will not. But I mean, you know, it's it's we'll see the limitations of BDS. But I mean, it's worth saying that they were two zero up in a split finals, right? They were one. They had. They almost mm-hmm. the finals. We almost saw Nuke and Adam at uh, MSI. Now we're going to see them at Worlds, right? So, yep. Fair. Oh, goody. Right? <laughs> respect. That's all. I, that's all I have to say. About <laughs> no, that. my perspective is not respect. The opposite. It's disrespect, but permanently until you prove otherwise. So, and also bonus. They're French, so I'm I'm like predisposed at this point in time to be the person I am, just to be a natural critic and hater. So whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever. same. Are we just jaded? Peter, tell us. Are, are we just jaded or is the level of like LEC just way lower than what you'd expect? Because I mean, even on the broadcast, for example, Broxa was saying that like, you know, the level was atrocious of, you know, the Fnatic XL series. So w- what is your take? I mean, I'll be honest, Dom. I think that you watch too much LPR. <laughs> like, I think it's impossible. Okay. Definitely. Like, it's, I mean, it's impossible not to be jaded if you just watch LPL, but I don't think LCK is that strong this year. I like, I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is kind, of, it kind of fucks you up watching too much LPL. Like, it just, <laughs> like, you just have, you be, you develop like an unrealistic standard for what you think yeah. teams should be able to do. You basically get mad at people for not going for a play that you know is there, but they don't even know exists. And then when you realize yeah. it's not that he didn't know, it's not that he doesn't go for it. He doesn't even know it exists. You just feel like, unfortunately, this is the analogy. You feel like, wait a minute, I am asking like a little kid with crayons to paint me a Rembrandt. Like maybe I should just make, <laughs> just make a house, you know? Yeah, fuck it. I know the guy's as big as the house and the smokestack's going the wrong way. Whatever, mate. Yeah, well done. It's going on the fridge. There you go. It's, all right, Adam. it's going on the fridge, mate. You're going to Worlds. Well done. Fucking hell. No, that, that, that's how it feels. Like there's so many times where, like, even watching, LCK where I'm like at eight minutes one team is starting Herald guaranteed like eight minutes somebody has an advantage and that team is starting Herald and if it's close at all like it should be a fight to the death it should be a straight up 5v5 if like supports are even levels and then I'll just see them like not start the Herald until 10 minutes and it will just make my like blood boil for some reason I don't know Yep, I mean, uh, you know, look, I coach in Brazil and I coach in North America, and I don't think Europe's that bad <laughs> compared to some of the things I've seen. Okay. So, like, exactly. So, so he so, made that sound uh, like he crawled out of the fucking bane pit or something. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> seems, what's the problem? Seems it's a nice place to live. What are you talking about? True. Honestly, like, see a world where there are two European teams in the top eight. Add worlds this year. 
Like, uh, so I, I can I see mean, one. I can't see two. I can see I can one. See I, I can't see where there's where there's fewer than four LPL teams, but I can see a world where there's where there's two EU teams. Uh, there's never been four LPL definitely. teams, right? It's never happened. In playoffs? No, I don't think so. I think there's always yeah. one LPL bomb at least, right? Yeah. Wow. It was LGD okay. in 2020. It was uh, it was FPX 2021 and and LNG in 2021, and then 2022. Obviously, you had it's the uh, top esports collapse. I'll do it. I'll say the cursed words that ensure we ruin worlds completely. I actually do think this is the world's where all four are making the playoffs. I know. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> this is the one where these four showed. These four are actually all good enough where they showed for real. I mean, at yeah. least the top three. Maybe Weibo could like collapse, but like the top three looks so fucking yes. good. Like. I don't know. <laughs> and I, I mean, obviously, like, comparing, if you're comparing Shio to Kanavi, obviously, like, that's not a fair comparison, right? But, like, you know, you have to start somewhere. And I think that this year, as a region, got better, not necessarily at the top, but as a whole, right? There were no complete teams this year, right? Like, even Astralis, <laughs> were, you, you know, leader, were, were, were doing stuff, right? And I think that you know people teams that people thought were weak in the past teams like SK teams like BDS really stepped up a lot and i think that fine for the future i don't know how it's going to matter for this world but you know the fact that the region at the bottom end as the like the average of the region got higher and G2 can still crown on them i think that's a good sign for us right uh and I, is that i don't think europe is that weak like i you know the worst thing you can say about for too aggressive and you know if you're too aggressive sometimes you can you can just get wins like maybe Razork doesn't hit his one in you know one bad play maybe he hits three bad plays in one game and he gets 15 good plays in another game you know that's how that's how numbers work right uh, yeah um uh so, so you it's like Razork's law I'm gonna just start calling it. I'm gonna coin it it's gonna be okay. Razork's law like for every four <laughs> okay. good plays there must be one disaster something like that we'll write it Carry over the disaster into the next game? Is he allowed to have three disasters? <laughs> All right, can he? No, I think it has to be in one game, and the one disaster has to bring the game back into equilibrium. Okay. <laughs> like that, that's basically, Razork gets so far ahead, but then he blue shells himself. That's yes. the analogy to make it like an equalizer. <laughs> it's like a rubber band mechanic, but within his own game, basically. Right? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. By the way, all I'll say is this. Bear in mind, they're now both technically going to Worlds. I don't care in what capacity. I'm willing to embrace the fiesta. I just want this one matchup to take place at least once. Please let me see the shy against Adam in a game. That's all I want is that. Now, here's what's fucked up about that wish, Dom. There's a really fucked up day where Adam actually wins that matchup <laughs> and the shy ints. And I'm so scared that that is what will happen. But at the same time, I want the day where the shy just mega gorilla uber stomps the whole game like God's in, like oh, i want that game i want where adam's all pushed up all day long and then thinks he can dive the shy and it's like bro i've seen this one before the lpl like he, the outplays he does is insane so like, i just need that matchup to happen once only once is all i need I'm, that's all i'm asking for i'm not greedy just give me that matchup once though especially because it, i i guarantee you adam will like try and banter him as well and like say some shit before the game oh man give me that adam game, probably please. doesn't even know who the shy is bro he he thought ukraine was china like I don't think he knows. Like... But that segment, the geography segment, was mad disappointing. I can't lie. Like, yeah, no, it, it was it was it was actually really nice Come for on. me because you know I'm I'm from NA, so I'm always getting like <laughs> meme like, like oh do you have like yeah. NA geography? And then I see what these players like 
They thought, and then the, the response is the best part. It's not even that he thought Ukraine was China. It's like, oh, in France, we have different maps. No, what this, maps what do you have that, in France? That is mental. I know exactly. What, what, your, the, joke, oh, the joke there, Dom, is on his map. Obviously, this is how he sees the map of League of Legends. It's just his little island, and then it just says, there be dragons elsewhere. That's like, I guess that's the sort of map Adam was working up for. But there's no world in which in France they have a map where Ukraine is considered part of China. Yeah, like, how yeah. old is this map? It's just like from the Mongol Empire. So what are you talking <laughs> yeah, about? You no. map can't, like, that's, what, that's such a whack. No, like, it's like, he's making that sound like France is another planet, mate. Like, all we, like I've been to France. Like, that's like, It's not like that. It's still a European country. You yeah, no, I mean, and also like the thing is like even before technology <laughs> and stuff. Like, I, I read a book recently where they were, where it was like it, it was a book about like uh, um, the American Revolution in 1776, okay. and they were showing like the maps, the actual maps that were written of like Brooklyn and New York, and you can look okay. at it and you're like, damn, that's pretty fucking accurate. Like that oh, is right. New York City. Okay. Like everything is like perfect. That's in the in the 1700s. So okay. I don't know what the fuck maps he's talking about. Anyway, yeah, please, I mean, <laughs> please just give me the shy versus Adam. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Look, I don't ask for much. That's, that's the one thing I ask for. It's the fiesta think, we all deserve. You have to understand oof, that, guys. It's the fiesta we know. deserve. I mean, the more I think about it, I think Adam could win. Oh, I don't want to believe it, though. I don't <laughs> want to believe it. He could win. His champions are good. Like, the, the, the shy is like a Sante one trick at this point. Like, that's a Darius and, and Olaf angle. Exactly. I predict if that happens, what will happen is he'll go Renekton or something, and he'll go, and Adam will go Darius, and we'll see whether the shy has played into Darius and solo queue, right? Like, you know, yeah. I, I cannot imagine. Can you imagine Wave Gaming banning Darius? Like, there's no way. There's no will way. Never allow, there's no way. No. There's no way their egos will allow them to. And surely the like, shy's the guy who says like, I can deal with it. You know, let it through or something. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> So actually, you're right. It might even be primed for the upset in that scenario. Yeah, I mean, we we know it's gonna happen though. Like, we'll see this matchup. Everyone will get really hyped, and then a jungler will just come kill like one of them level three, yes. and then the whole matchup will be done. Indeed. I mean, the the thing the thing that is scary for BDS though is it's obvious that Crowny is a major shot caller on that team. It's gonna be really hard to get advantages two v two, even three v three, but. Uh, in AdWords. So maybe that will hurt their shot calling, but unless you are strong enough, like which NA team is going to go and punish them at what? You know, like... Oh, there's none, mate. Yeah, I mean, there's none of them, right? None of them... I mean, yeah, even the people who got hyped about NRG for this run to win the championship, one, that is one of the weakest championship runs I have ever seen ever in League of Legends. And two, they won with all these fucking ridiculous comebacks. Like, that's it. There's no, there was no strength projected for me. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want to hear it on LCS, but when I watch that final, I don't go props to NRG. I go, what the fuck were you doing, Cloud9? What, what did you even think this was? Like, I, I'm sorry, I just blame Cloud9. For, so if I look at like uh, the LCS teams, dude, none of them are going to do anything. I'm sorry, they aren't. They just aren't. But that's the thing. So for BDS to do, to like, so expect BDS to come to top, right? Like, I mean, I don't think anyone in the, right? So for what's a successful world for BDS, they come like 12th, right? Yes. And who's going to be 12th? Is it like maybe Cloud9? Like, but you know, they're 2v2 bot. It's not, they, they win because Berserker is a god tier team fighter, right? It's not because he's like going to stomp you into the floor in lane. Uh, so BDS could be fine there. Like maybe they can lose the Vietnamese team, like some of these Vietnamese teams. But Vietnam didn't look that good at MSI, so maybe you know the region just looks 
because of, because of how they're playing, you know, like the teams just look good in that fiesta. So so you know, I could I, BDS are going to be fine. They're going to be they're going to do something which is acceptable to everybody at Worlds. They're not going to embarrass themselves, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And okay. with Fnatic, I think there is a a two percent chance Fnatic might embarrass themselves, but like but uh, BDS won't. BDS will be fine. Like the main team we haven't talked about is Mad Lions. We briefly touched on it in relation to the XL series, etc. But I want to get your take on this, Peter, because obviously you have your own biases with the org and the players, etc. Right? The guy I have to ask about initially, though, normally I'm never the one on this side, but I've got to do it, me. I've got to be fair. If I'm going to flame the fuck out of Humanoid, how can I not flame El Yoya for how we played for the last, like, split and a half, mate? Like, if I look at all those games they were losing in a row, dude, he's a big part of the reason why. These are some criminal games. Like, for me, he is supposed to be just the best jungler, in, except for maybe Jankos, the best jungler. He's always the candidate who's supposed to be right at that. Like, I expect a lot from this player. Like, to me, he's supposed to be the best Mad Lions player. What, what's your take on, like, obviously now they've resurrected to somewhat, but what do you think happened to this guy? What, what was holding him back this summer? The worst performances I've seen from a player in, like, a Nocturne game. Was it against, yep, who was Nocturne this Nocturne one. game again? Where he literally didn't, he just altered for Vision. He didn't like put in a single time in Nocturne in like a 30-minute game. Uh, to me, um, it's worth saying Mad Lions in the first two splits. I think how bad they were is massively overblown because they're called Mad Lions. If they were called S, were called Heretics and they were playing like this, like I think, you know, they they got finalists in one split and they won another split, right? Then they were Temesai, they got blasted at MSI. Lose a game in 16 minutes and 40 seconds unless you're trying you're trying desperate things to get back in the game, right? Like you, they could have they could have stalled out the game to 25 minutes, right? Against T1, it's just uh, they 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 were going they were going they they were going for a lot of desperation. But I mean, for me, they never really showed anything in summer. Like they knew they were qualified for season finals. They they did the bare minimum that was required of them, uh, which is Atlanta's way, you know, conserve conserve. Do you believe intentionally they were sort of like sandbagging a little bit or as you say, like just not showing much and knowing that like essentially we only have to get it together later? Because people do know from the interviews, Mac obviously cares about the idea that you get like a bit of a pressure release valve and you don't go hard every week, right? Oh, to me, there was no threat, right, on that, right? Like, like who, who is going to, like they were qualified for the championship, uh, you know, they were always going to come up a bracket, right? So what do you get out of winning in summer? And uh, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't know anything behind the scenes, but to me, it looked like when things matter, actually play. And like the difference between Mad and Summer and the 3-0 series they had against Excel is huge, right? Like, they, they were properly prepped. They they kind of knew how to neutralize everything Excel had. And, you know, that's what it's going to be like for the rest of the playoffs. And this is why we will see when Mad played G2 in upper bracket, we will have a good idea over how, you know, was it Excel being bad or was it Mad being good? But I... I this is just how mad are, right? Like, and this is ever since Adria has been on mad, it's, you know, maybe arguably the season before, it's always been like this, right? So, so when, when the chips matter, when the chips are down and when things matter, that's when we'll see how good he is. And obviously I think he's still one of the best strikers in the league, right? Uh, uh, you know, as much as I love like Yike and Chio and what they've shown this season, right? Like they're, they're not at Adria's level yet, right? So we'll see, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that means. 
Also, by the way, just in a random aside, I'll throw out there. Since obviously the year began, and supposedly Elliot wasn't going to be on this team, he would, basically if they hadn't fumbled the bag, the deal was done to go to G2. He would have been the player instead of Yike on G2. Well, if people don't know, his contract ends at the end of this year. So if he has a good Worlds, this guy really can again potentially be like in one of the absolute best teams in the West coming into the next year. Like he doesn't have to just be even on Mad Lions. So I'm actually very excited to see if he can close the year strong. Because this guy, I think, is a better player than this team, mate. Like, this team makes it work. And in the current LEC landscape, they're all right. But, like, if you could make, like, a super team and El is your jungler, you're cooking with gas, mate. You can, you can really do something then. I, I mean, I think their bot lane's pretty good. Like, I, and I, I don't mean that in, like, a condescending way. Like, I think Kazi is really good at team fighting. And I think Hilly is Hilly, right? When Hilly's on, Hilly's the best in, in Europe. But he's, you know, it's 50 but the one thing which I will say, show which show promise, is the problem Mad Lions had in summer. Is so many times they couldn't play the game patiently. They were just overforcing every single thing inside the game. And the fact that they can play LeBlanc Camille comp style and actually play without needing to fight, Hilly can see three people walking in front of him, and he has a TP on his LeBlanc, and they're they're four v five on the bottom side of the map, and he doesn't engage. And he just lets LeBlanc hit the top tower for 30 seconds whilst four people just walk past a single line and he can go on any single one of them. Tells me that like they're, they'll be fine. They're, and actually, you know, if Mad play properly and given everything you've said about it, Duya, I think they're going to be they're, they're going to be ready at once. Right? I, 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 I just don't think like it's not just because they're called Mad Lions doesn't mean that they're going to lose. Right. It's it's irrational to think in that kind of way. Dom, come on. I can trust on you for a hate wrangle for Mad Lions at World Show. Come on, if, they, if I can queue you up for anything. You know, there's no way you're buying the idea they're going to make fucking ripples at Worlds. You're just waiting for the game where they never get Kazi out of lane. Tracy just gets his head smashed in. Like, fucking Niski's just like, whatever, all right. Then nothing happens. Like, come on. <laughs> It's it's hard to watch them get the ass beating they just got at MSI and then have any hope for the team at Worlds because like I felt like that was actually like they had some winnable games they just don't look like they're the team that that will will close out like they just won't close out they'll be able to get leads potentially but the way that they have to draft in order to get leads makes the game so fucking difficult like if you want if you have to draft a Hillisong Pike just to be able to like win up until 15 minutes well then you're playing 45 after 15 minutes so like how are you actually going to win the game. I think it's really hard for them. Um, a lot of their strengths get exposed internationally. Like Niski is is not the best laner. He's really good at playing the map, but he's not the best laner. And it's really hard to play the map when you're playing against one of these freak Chinese or Korean players that was just going to cave your head in and lane. And uh, uh, right now, the champions that are good in mid lane are not even roaming champions. So like he'll probably have to pick bad matchups in order to even fulfill the identity that, you know, he needs to within his team. So it's really difficult, man. Like the more I, I think about Mad Lions, I, I don't have much hope for them. I just think that they're, they have too many potential weaknesses that like one of them is going to just end up cracking. Yes. Are you going to say something, Peter? Just a non-Asian team? Will they lose to a non-Asian team, Dom? Yeah, I mean, they'll lose to G2 if they play against them at some point. <laughs> They're going to lose to... Will they lose, can, can they lose to someone from LCS, though? That's the question. Can, can they, they lose to somebody from LCS? Probably. Uh, probably not. Probably not. 
Because all I'm going to say is this. Here's how you get your heart absolutely broken if you're a... F First of all, I don't believe there are fans of Western League of Legends. I'll do the really hurtful thing where I just explain like what everyone knows is going on. What that means is you're an LCS fan and when the LCS goes out, you just bag on to whichever the good of you team is. Oh, shit, did I say out loud? That's reality, bitch. It's and then, spoiler, yeah. the, that was never the other way around. But yeah, what about the time when all of you and EU... Yeah, never happened, did it, though? So shut the fuck up. So really, there are no Western fans. But if I pretend this nebulous Western fans exist, Here's the matchup that will kill you dead. Is if Mad Lions play against NRG and NRG just gets one of these, just catch this late game throw and win the game in a PO1. That will just crush all your hope dead. Because the other thing about the whole NRG thing that I can't handle is this. Bro, are we just going to look at that roster on paper and go, this is fine? Yes. Why? Well, I think I will put them against Scout and Tarzan and fucking shut the fuck up. Look at the line up on paper. On paper, they should be like barely in the playoffs of the LCS. Like, there's no universe where their solo leaders are going to be fucking rock'em, suck'em robots against like LPL teams. It's not going to happen. And then what yeah. do you think that's going to happen to that bot lane? Like, I like FBI. He's got a good flaw to his game. He's not going to do anything against fucking aiming elk. Like, how do I know team keep going? Like, Drew, like, these guys are just up here. They're not even saying they're up here. They're up here. Gala, like, like... It's over, boys. It's over. I would say I am excited to see Palafox internationally. Uh, in a non, in a non. You mean Paula Fox's mom are the only people? Why are you excited to see Paula? Go on then, wait a minute. Let me, wait a minute. Let me just strap in, Dom. You know what? Let's do this for real. Let me not be. <laughs> okay, suspicious. yeah. yeah. Like, What's the Paula Fox thing? Yeah, why, yeah, go on. Hit me with it. Why, why would I like to see Paula Fox play internationally against like fucking Yagao? Like, <laughs> like, okay. Like, okay, fucking so... the best players in the world. Come on, hit me with it. Come on. I think I would say is that uh, NRG, when good, they're good playing through mid. And okay. like contracts is willing to give up twelve CS. Oh, so, I like, forgot contracts is his boy from the EGDs. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm yeah. I've got it there. I've got the bias. Okay, keep going. Come on. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, to be clear, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to seeing Doku okay. but like Pal Palafox contracts, you know. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll take a couple of games. I, I mean, just, I think Contracts just... has the right mindset. Like, he'll make some shit happen. Like, he might lose you a game, but he'll he'll do shit. Like, he's oh, the will, guy yes. that level three will, like, look for yes. a fight. And that's what you need to do. Like, you can't scale. I have more hope, I guess, for energy than Cloud9 because Cloud9, they're, they're, their overall play style translates so horribly internationally, which was, was, which was the main comment that I was making on, like, Facecheck and all my other, like, episodes. When you watch Cloud9, it doesn't feel like like they can ever beat a team that is better than them because they just don't make anything happen. They just rely on, on showing up to a, an objective and just being better than them themselves mechanically. And then they just win the game through that, but they don't have any like set plays that can get them ahead. Energy has the ability to snowball a game. Like they can play a game where contracts just makes like two, three good plays. Then the lanes are winning and they can just, you know, close it out from there if they have a good draft or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, Cloud9 is 2016 TSM now. Yeah, like, pretty much. They're, 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 they're just sitting there. They've got an LG, but... yes. They just, they just always have outlay and be ahead, yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not optimistic, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see, to see energy. So, so. I mean, so, we're talking to somebody who's hyped to see Brazil play every single international. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's very hard to. 
I mean, it, if, if it's happened eight times in a row, it won't happen the ninth time, right? Like, that's just that's just not how statistics work. Right? Like, you guys have to realise, one of the reasons okay. how Peter even got on these shores <laughs> in the first place all those moons ago when he was just some Brazil coach is he unironically has a sickness. He is one of these people. Like, I get why Dom <laughs> likes League of Legends. He just watches the best League of Legends, like LPL, and then he, anything else, he just flames and makes entertainment. Peter actually really enjoys all this shit. Like, he's in that yeah. Emily Van Kelsey Moser camp where if you say to them, like, as an offhand comment without even asking in advance, Dom, like, ah, it's like in VCS and you just made it for She's like, you don't even watch VCS. And they'll be like, oh, yes, um, I've only caught half the VOD so far of the play. Like, I was only talking. Yeah. Like, they're no, actually, I mean, watch this show. <laughs> I mean, P Peter watched collegiate. When he was in NA, he was watching collegiate games. Exactly. Like, it was like, it, it was crazy. I, I'm not, he's like, whoa, what do you think about this player? I'd be like, I, I've i seen him like twice in solo queue. I don't even know that this, like, who this guy is. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, all I will say is sometimes watching jdg stomp everyone into the floor <laughs> like there's only so much you can enjoy okay. there's uh but, oh, I can, yeah. I can watch where, it for That's where years. we're different, though, Peter. That's where we're yeah. different. Because I have to say, I come from in the old school quake. And I've always loved it when a really world-class player just shit stomps, like, noobs, as it were, and just destroys them. Like, I never get bored of that, man. I'm just, I'm like, I'm like that fucking meme of, like, Kylo Ren. Like, more, I just want more domination. I want Michelle, I mean, that. like, I used to love it back in the... I'll tell you what, I actually... Here's a mad rant that I never do about items. I actually hate that they took out all those, like, mega disrespectful items back in the day like, like sort of the occult and shit like that <laughs> oh i love that shit when my boy Nami would just be like waiting outside the barren pit for some bullshit like sort of the occult kill that could throw the whole game but if he gets it done then he's on like nine <laughs> kills and he's just like unkillable. i love that shit and that's like some anime level plot line for me you know i'm, I'm all into that yep. <sighs> all about that I love it even when the, the fucking those Western players every now and then get a bit hyphy and they have the balls to build like a medge eyes in some like questionable match. I'm like, listen, bro, I can see this going really badly, but fuck it, I'm with you. Let's just go all in. Let's live, let's dream the perfect dream that you're gonna get nine straight kills on this champion. But let's see, let's see if you do. Let's let's believe it's possible. Let's believe. Yep. <laughs> Nothing to say there. By the way, before we end, I should ask you this, though. You've obviously been fairly forthcoming and being willing to, like, raise LCS, etc. So here's the problem. I have to get a check of how far down we're going on Cloud9 here. Like, you were making it sound like all the teams that finish fourth in LCS, LEC will beat the Golden Guardians and get the fourth spot for Worlds. Here's my question, though, Peter. Of the teams, and we now know at least what the four is, but of the teams that are going to go for Europe, can Cloud9 beat any of them? Are you a hater in that so, sense? As in scrims, right? In European scrims. Because obviously, like at the start of the season, like I, I've seen I've seen the scrims, right? So so here, here's what I'd say. Um Cloud9, if Cloud9 ever get to mid to late game, they have really good chance. Team fighting is really, really good. But You mean have they have Berserker a... on their team? That well, that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean they have I mean, yes, they have Berserker on their they team. Yeah. <laughs> great job with that late game. Then he phrases it, you know, where it's like it could mean anything. It's like, wow, their team fighting is really it's like no, they just have Berserker. But okay, let's let's continue. Let's get, all right, next point, Peter. I, We've I, done too many of these shows. I just know what you're saying at this point. <laughs> okay. See, I like the problem I have is always that whenever a team comes out of NA and plays really passively, they you you just can't game is uh, like Hillisang or Trimby will not let you play the game slow. 
like I could see them beating BDS, um, but there is I think it's really hard for them. Like Fnatic are really really chaotic, and sure they may catch a throw, but in the best of five, it's hard for Cloud9 to beat them because they've spent the entire split just playing to win games. They they like they what did Cloud9 do this entire year to get better? I mean they just just decided okay we're going to coast and we're going to win games. Like at least G2, I um, picking Claire and Evelyn and all this nonsense, right? Like like at, at least I can see what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to things fresh, keep the things entertaining and things like this. And for me, that's my problem that I have with Cloud9. I would put Cloud9 below Fnatic. But I can see BDS being ahead of Fnatic, right? But I think matchup stylistically, like I think it will be hard. And I'm really high on NRG, but I think NRG can take games. I think like NRG Fnatic will be so fun to watch. Like both of those, like Razork versus um, Contracts, those guys will, we may see new, uh, we may see like peanut level two flashes over Dragon Pits and things like this, which is. Yeah, which we, is, we might uh, see like nine deaths out of one of them in like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that 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 will be fun, right? So so I'm I'm not that high on Cloud9. TL, I can see TL winning games. Like TL definitely, you know, Summit, if they play through Summit properly, Call JJ Room stop and things like this. I can see them. I can see them. Uh, I can see them taking some wins, right? So, but but we'll see. Cloud Nine spend their boot camp just practice psycho style, right? And they come into worlds, and every game is twenty minutes. So. Yep. Right. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. Didn't happen all year, but this boot camp will be the the unlock, the the thing that unlocks it all. Perfect. Obviously. This isn't just a weekend tournament, and it's not going to be over. Like, there's going to be multiple more weeks of this shit. So get ready to strap yourself down like Malcolm in fucking Clockwork Orange. With the, make yourself watch these. Ah, I don't want to watch any more league. Please, damn. Like, no, you have to. And we will be mm -hmm. back to talk about it on a future week. So see you then.